You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And a good morning or good afternoon to all of you out there listening to us here live on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I'm your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio. My name is Dr. Jeff Werber, and we're here, obviously, to talk pets. Uh, we're here for you. We want you to call in. We want your emails, your texts, whatever you want to do, however you want to get a hold of us, go ahead. Easiest way, of course, is to give us a call. Toll-free, 877-385-8882. You can also join us here live on Pet Life Radio. Just log in to PetLifeRadio.com. Click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, and you can join in on the conversation. There's a big box. Just type away. Uh, lastly, you can send me an email, and it'll be forwarded to me live on air, and that's to drjeff, Dr. Jeff, at PetLifeRadio.com. Very easy. Why call in? Because we want to hear from you. We want to hear about your pets. We talk about things. If there's anything that you want to ask, talk, even if it's not on the subject of the day, go ahead and, uh, and send us in a question. We'll be happy to talk about it. And of course, we're here with the help of our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products and Kong Toys. As a matter of fact, we will send you out. It takes a while, so be patient, but we will send you out a free ProSense product and a Kong product, Kong Toy, just for calling or just for texting, joining us in the conversation, asking a question. If you send me an email and we read your email live on air, which we will probably do, then of course, again, we will send you out a ProSense product and a Kong toy. So you really can't lose. Free advice. And just as I'm sure you know, because I know, because I am one, veterinary medicine is not cheap anymore. Prices are going up like crazy. Employee costs are going up like crazy. And unfortunately, so few of you have pet insurance. I don't know why you don't. I mean, in the United Kingdom, 35 to 40% of pet owners, pet parents, carry pet insurance for their pets. In Sweden, it's 60%. And here in the U.S., it's less than 2%, maybe even less than 1%, depending on who you ask. That's terrible. So here everybody's complaining about the higher costs of really quality veterinary care, and you can sort of cut those costs at least in half by just getting pet insurance, and you're not doing it. So you got to stop complaining. Go out and get yourself some pet insurance. That would be the smartest thing to do to help uh, allay some of the, uh, the high costs of really quality care. But what I'm here to do is maybe help you avoid some expensive care by sort of helping guide you through an approach to treating a problem, to diagnosing and treating a problem. And I find that, uh, I mean, I've you know, been on my soapbox before, and since this is my show, I'm allowed. But I think that a lot of younger veterinarians are so, well, first of all, their concept of a problem is skewed. Why? Understandably, is because they've been at these big teaching hospitals at the veterinary schools across the country. And the types of cases that usually end up at a veterinary school are pretty bizarre cases. So when these students are seeing these pretty bizarre cases, in their mind, when they get out of school, that's the reason for these, this symptom. When in fact, no, that's really bizarre. As we like to call them, those are the zebras, the horses, the normal common stuff you're going to see. Just in your routine practice, you don't have to approach that way. You can have a little bit more thought, a little more evaluation, a little bit more analyzing and coming up with a better game plan. That's not going to break the bank on the first visit. So what we've been doing here on uh, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff is until we get your calls, until we get your emails or your texts or whatever, I kind of like prepare 
organ system discussions. And we've been through a lot already. We finished eyes. We finished the skin, limping joints. We finished the gastrointestinal tract, vomiting, diarrhea. And uh, now we are going to talk about respiratory. We started before, and we just got a, a call coming in. So let's connect. Hi, can you hear me? This is Dr. Jeff. Hi, Dr. Jeff. This is uh, John, JB. I called you. Oh, yes. Ago about yes. Bringing, yeah, bringing about the new introduction puppy. of the new puppy. How's it going? Well, as soon as you told me to title the resident dog, she took to it like an hour, and she was she was great. She didn't bark. She didn't growl at the new puppy. But then, you know, as time went on, we couldn't watch the dog all the time. So I'd be in the kitchen or something, and the two dogs would be kind of looking at each other, and the puppy wants to play. Right. You know, she's just she's going over there. She's raising her paw. And the old dog is still, you know, kind of looking at her growling. So how do we get them to the kind of bond? All right. So first of all, it's a great question. Let me let me fill everybody in, uh, JB, also just so uh, we can um, get her up to speed. So we had a situation. We got a call actually from JB that he was going to get a new puppy. It was planned. So he knew it was coming. I gave him some advice. And we talked about this on air as well. How to, to gradually introduce the new puppy into the adult dog and also to start withholding some attention to the resident dog and withholding the favorite treats to the resident dog and giving them again and giving more information at the introduction when that new puppy was around. The thing that most of us make the mistakes about when we are introducing new babies, new puppies, new people, new boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, to a resident dog is that we wait until that person is gone, the puppy is asleep, the baby's asleep, and then we feel so guilty for having done this right, this intrusion to our resident dog, that that's when we coddle them with affection and attention and treats, which is exactly the wrong thing to do because then you are teaching the resident dog that life is better. So we followed some advice, and now we have a new hurdle, which, by the way, as JB will tell you, it works pretty well when you do it right. Now, the new hurdle are things like you have an older dog that likes its time alone, and puppies like to play. So really, now it's a function of teaching the puppy that there are times when you're not going to go near the big guy. And one of them is when big guy is just kind of sleeping and wants his or her time alone. And the second, and this is probably the two most critical areas, when the big guy, the resident dog, is eating or playing with their bone or toy. Those are two times the puppy has to know, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going there because I'm going to get growled at. I'm going to get snapped at. And that's a much tougher problem to deal with because it's innate in many animals, even well-trained. I mean, I, I used to visit my aunt over the holidays. They lived in Florida. And she had this magnificent yellow lab. This was back in the day. She, she got it in 1976. That was the you know 200-year anniversary of the U.S. And she called him Barney. But his real given name was Bicentennial Barnabas, Bicentennial Barnabas, because he was 1976 model. And Barney was the most amazing Labrador. I mean, did all the things that a Labrador loved to do. But there was one toy that nobody, and I'm talking nobody, not even the family, could go near Barney while he was chewing on that toy. And it was hysterical because this guy, you can go up, you can stick your face into his food while he's eating. And that was okay. You can grab any other toy from his mouth. That was okay. But there was this one bone that he says, "Uh uh-uh, you're not getting this one. And so, you know, they're sometimes hard to figure out. So what I would do this is 
I would start now working with the puppy and either get a whistle or a foghorn or a penny can or clap your hands and you got to just keep an eye on things for now. It'll get better. It'll get better with time. But right now, when you think that you have to leave the puppy alone, call one of them into you so you can keep an eye on them. And when you see or if you see the puppy approaching the adult resident dog for playtime or especially when that resident dog is eating or, or playing with its toys, you have to get that whistle, get that clap, get that foghorn and basically divert the attention of the puppy. Call the puppy over and do something with the puppy or call the resident dog over and do something with the resident dog. But that's a, still a little dangerous. It's still new in the game. You've only been doing this for about a month or not even. So it's still a time where you have to be very cautious. Try not to leave them alone. Try not to leave them unattended. But it sounds like it's going great. Just you know, a little more patience. And what, another thing you can do is when you see the puppy approaching the resident dog, run up to the a resident dog and say, good boy, good boy or good girl and give a treat. So again, you are reinforcing, you are praising the resident dog for allowing the new pup to be in its space. And hopefully with that continued, then they'll start bonding and getting along. Interestingly, Mm -hmm. I have five dogs. They are amazing together. They're together all the time. They play. But when it comes to mealtime, my two Labradors will eat. This is even using a no-gulp type of bowl. And they can still finish their food in about 10 seconds flat. My Labradoodle is that, you know, this is the doodle part. He is such a gentle eater. He is slow. He is methodical. He enjoys every single bite. And when the labs are finished, they're obviously on the hunt. So they go up to him. And this is where even he, under that circumstance, he will not let them get near his food. So it's very funny to watch. But, you know, usually they'll work it out. My only concern, obviously, is that the puppy is a small puppy and the resident dog is not. And I don't want the puppy getting hurt. But puppy's going to have to learn. And these are the lessons that puppy had to learn from mom as well. So the little growl, the little snap can go a long way. Just kind of be around. Let them work it out to a degree. They are dogs. They are pack animals. They are going to work it out. I just don't want anyone to get hurt in the process. Always keep an eye on them for now and just be ready with that distraction, the penny can, the foghorn, the whistle, the hand clap, whatever it may be. But thanks much for following up. I'm so glad that it's starting to work well. Be patient. Hang in there. And I would love to hear from you in a couple of weeks and just kind of let us know how things are going. Sure. Yeah, I couldn't believe like after, you know, two hours of doing that, she took right to it, give her a little treat, you know, giving her all the attention when a puppy comes around and she stops growling. That's great. And the so, thing we have to get used to is when she does growl, we keep saying stop or no or bad. When you said just make a noise to distract her and change her, right. her like brain of thought there. Right. When you say no or bad, the association to her is that new puppy is getting me yelled at. So yeah. I don't like that new puppy. So what we need to do is just get the attention, but you want to actually, when the puppy starts approaching, give your resident dog, give her praise and attention and treats instead of no or bad. So remember, this is very natural. It's very natural for dogs to behave this way. And the hardest thing for us when we're working with behavior modification is to stop using the word no or bad for a behavior that is actually natural. What we have to do is try to modify the reaction, modify the behavior to something more positive. But when we say no to something that's natural, it kind of messes them up a little bit. And they draw that association to the closest thing. And in this case, it's that puppy. And then we're going to start building resentment again, which, of course, we don't want to do. But it's natural for us to say no. 
Of course. Oh, it's the yeah, first we, instinct we have. As I said, the most overused right. word in puppydom is no, and it's our fault. I mean, they're chewing. They're chewing your good shoes. What do you go, no? Meanwhile, chewing is natural. Yeah. It's essential. They have to chew. So who's the idiot that left those shoes around? You want to get mad at somebody, <laughs> kick yourself in the behind. So that's right. what we have to be. We have to kind of be a little smarter. And by the way, now that I, I just said that with a shoe example, you know, you go to a pet store and you see that long aisle of all these different chew toys. And I just get a kick. I just laugh out loud when I see these rawhide <laughs> shoes. They're shaped like moccasins or whatever they are, and they're rawhide. But what better way to teach your dog to eat your shoes than to give him a <laughs> chew toy? That's a shoe. So, guy, get a little smart out there. Really, come on. I'm sure you have more brains than that. And um, I think that the things that look like that squeaky toy, it looks like a hamburger, a double cheeseburger. You know, you want to teach your dog to jump on the counter and grab things, right? Then give him a chew toy. Give him a toy that looks just like a hot dog or a hamburger. So uh, anyway, that's our stupidity, not theirs. So anyway, uh, JB, thanks for following up. Love to hear back from you in a couple of weeks and kind of let us know how it's going. Okay, All right? great for your advice. Thank you. Thank you. All right, take it easy. So uh, anyway, it's time for our break. We're going to take that quick break here on Pet Life Radio, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Don't go away. We're going to, hopefully, if you want to give us a call, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. That's coming from somebody who talks so fast. So if I don't hear from you, we're going to talk a little bit about respiratory problems. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Tired of wasting money on giant boxes of litter that don't work and don't last? Switch to World's Best Cat Litter, the only litter with concentrated power. So even a small bag lasts one cat 30 days. Outstanding odor control, quick clumping, lightweight. It's even flushable. World's Best Cat Litter. Everything else is just litter. Find it near you at www.itsnotjustlitter.com. That's www.itsnotjustlitter.com. There's nothing more delicious and healthy than an old family recipe. And for over 50 years, our family's been creating them especially for your pets. Nutrisource Super Premium Pet Foods. Dog and cat food that's all natural, holistic, and organic. Nutrisource Pet Foods contain our patented Good for Life system for your pet's optimum health and well-being. So, order now. Safe quality food made by our family for your furry family members. Go to NutrisourcePetFoods.com. From our family to yours, Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. 
Hi, this is Jody Miller Young from Bark and Swagger. Tune in for everything pet fashion and more from fashion tips and runway trends, products and designs I love, to fabulous home decor for your furry friend. You'll find it all here. Be the first to discover the new. So, what are you waiting for? Find me on Pet Life Radio. And remember, when fierce fashion calls, bark and swagger. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're joining me here, Dr. Jeff Werber on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Uh, just had a nice conversation with JB about a pet problem. You see how easy that was? Free advice. And it works. So give us a call, please. 877-385-8882 or just kind of send a little note, join in the conversation. I'm looking at the box right now. It's empty and I want it full. I want to see some people typing away. Anyway, we started talking about some respiratory diseases. You know, some of the more common things, of course, we're going to see in puppies and kittens. Respiratory infections very common in cats. The chlamydia is a, a more of a bacterial infection. Then, of course, we have the viruses. We have rhinotracheitis, which is very, very serious in cats, Khaleesi virus. So one of the more common things we see in, in cats are going to be the respiratory infections. Some treatable, most preventable, because we have vaccines for these diseases. I think one of the best preventions for me is, um, and depending where you live, uh, living here in the city or in a city where there are cars and there are dogs and there's feline leukemia virus and there's uh, feline AIDS virus and coyotes, I prefer cats indoor. I think it's safer for them. I, there was a statistic coming from um, one of the rescue groups and the Cat Fanciers Association that in large cities, the average indoor cat lives something like 13, 14 years and the average outdoor cat lives three. So something's going to get him. Now, of course, people are saying, wait a second, but I live in the city. My cat goes out, and he's now 13, 14, 17. Yeah, of course it's going to happen. And a lot of us that have indoor cats, I just had to put one of my cats down who was 11 because he had some weird kidney disease, kidney problem. But that's not the norm. The norm is one of my other cats I just put down just shy of 19. He was 18 and a half. That's the norm. And the sometimes the best protection for these animals to not get some of these diseases, especially the communicable diseases, is to keep them well vaccinated and try to minimize or avoid contact with the potential carriers. Just a little common sense. So for dogs, we were talking about the, you know, one of the more common conditions I see respiratory-wise in dogs and puppies, especially since I do so much rescue work, that means these animals are being pulled from shelters, is, you guessed it, kennel cough. Now, the one issue I have with kennel cough, first of all, we do see some pretty refractory cases and some of the medications that typically would work for your routine common standard kennel cough may not work alone with some of these tougher diseases, some of these tougher organisms like mycoplasma. We're seeing it's not just Bordetella bronchoseptica. It's not just the parinfluenza virus, but there's some more things involved. And um, the issue that concerns me is that so many people would come to me and they say, well, gee, doc, you know, my dog doesn't board, so I don't need the kennel cough vaccine. Oh, contraire. As a matter of fact, 
people that frequent dog parks, frequent grooming facilities, doggy daycare facilities, it's not just the boarding. I don't like the term kennel cough because it gives people that false concept that the dogs have to be kenneled in order to get kennel cough. Here in Los Angeles, I call it live in LA cough, go to the dog park cough, go to the beach cough, you know, go to the vet cough, go to the groomer cough. It's everywhere. It's endemic to Los Angeles. It's endemic to any big city, especially cities that there is an outdoor lifestyle, even in the Northeast, even in the Midwest during the spring and summer where it's gorgeous out and it's warm. People start taking their dogs out. This is how it is transmitted. And as a matter of fact, many of these facilities actually require the vaccine be current every six months, not once a year. And the truth is, I don't disagree. I think, whereas I am not, I'm not anti-vaccine at all, but I am anti-unnecessary vaccine. But when it comes to this Bordetella bronchoseptica parainfluenza vaccine, it should be given if dogs frequent these areas every six months. Otherwise, once a year is just fine. But don't think for a second that dogs have to be kenneled. And also another problem with this is why we want to be very careful is that early distemper virus, especially if it's starting at the respiratory phase, can mimic a kennel cough. The early signs are just a dry, hacky cough, sometimes a soft, moist cough. So again, if we kind of let our guard down and we say, ah, oh, just a little kennel cough, no big deal. And it isn't. It isn't. Many dogs that get well from kennel cough on their own, they don't even need our help. But it's like us with the, you know, with the cold. If we need to treat, it's worth treating. Uh, if you have a good immune system, if everything else is perfect, they're doing fine, and you just want to treat symptomatically with a, just a cough syrup, then that's fine too. However, you want to be careful with over-the-counter cough syrups. There is the syrups out there that have the expectorant guaifenesin. If you have a moist cough, are great. If you have a dry cough and you want to suppress the cough, there is a synthetic narcotic cough suppressant. It's non-narcotic called dextromethorphan. That's great too. But be very, very careful with the products that are also treating colds and have the decongestants, pseudoephedrine, phenylephrine in them as well, because those can be toxic to pets. So pure guaifenesin, guaifenesin with dextromethorphan, yes, okay, usable, check with your veterinarian. Things with phenylephrine, pseudoephedrine, these things are potentially toxic. You don't want to take any chances. They're very dose-dependent. It also depends on the dog. So I would try to avoid these at all costs. So again, before using anything over-the-counter, you want to check with your veterinarian. As far as antibiotics, Bordetella bronchoseptica is a bacterium, does respond to antibiotics. We like to use doxycycline. We like to use clavamox, which is amoxicillin and clavulinic acid compound. But there are many good antibiotics out there. Some that are very good, are you have to use caution with young, very young growing puppies. So again, check with your veterinarian. The good news is you're not going to be able to get antibiotics without seeing your vet. However, I know many of you have antibiotics sitting around, antibiotics that you didn't finish the course on another pet. So don't just reach for the medicine cabinet and grab something. At least call your veterinarian and check and say, hey, I have so-and-so sitting around here. It's this many milligrams. Um, I got it. It's less than a year old. Is it okay to use? So, um, you know, again, you want to exercise some common sense, some smarts, some caution when pulling anything off the shelf to work with your pets. If it turns out to be distemper, obviously that is a really difficult condition, disease to deal with. We can be successful in pulling 
dogs through distemper virus infection. It's a multifaceted disease. Uh, one of the earliest signs we're going to see are related to respiratory problems, uh, crusty nose, runny eyes, coughing, even distemper pneumonia, which is much worse than just coughing. But it's a disease that also can affect the gastrointestinal tract. It can also affect the skin. Remember, we talked about the heart pad disease. It can also affect the neurologic system. And we can see these dogs that are starting to seize and go through these chomping fits. So when we have distemper, that's certainly nothing you're going to be able to treat at home. Must, must, must see your veterinarian. And even, even on a regular respiratory case, especially respiratory, if you try to wait it out because the dog is still happy and the dog is still playing and stall is still eating and it's, uh, you know, it was a dry cough and you gave a little cough medicine, you know, that's fine. If you have a condition where you, it's a moist cough and you learned about coupage, where you take your dog into a bathroom, turn on the shower or the tub, hot, hot water, close the windows, let the mirrors steam up, the whole bathroom is steamy, you take your dog in there, you let them breathe that wet, moist air for, oh, I don't know, 10 minutes, and then you kind of sort of do what's called coupage, where you cup your hand and you, you tap them on the side, right side, left side, right side, left side, for you know maybe 20 times on each side to induce coughing, to get rid of a lot of that phlegm, to get rid of that mucus so they can breathe a little more easier, coupled with the expectorant, the gyphenesin, that's okay too. But if you are doing these things and three, four days going out and nothing's changing or it's getting worse, don't play doctor at home. Get this pet to your veterinarian ASAP to make sure that the mere kennel cough didn't turn into a pneumonia, which is going to need a lot more aggressive therapy, to make sure it's not early distemper. So there are things that, you know, I'm all for, a little smarts, common sense, home care, that's great, but you got to be very, very careful if you are dealing with something that's not getting better or getting worse. So that's all we have time for today. Um, we talked about distemper versus kennel cough, live in LA cough as I like to call it. Uh, next, we're going to talk about some more severe conditions, some, some congenital conditions um, that we have to deal with and some things that sound way worse than they are. And we'll talk about that next time as well. So thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank once again, um, JB, for calling in. Any of you, that's how easy it is. Uh, have a great week. Thanks to our sponsors again, ProSense Pet Products and Kong. And we'll see you here next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.